1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I am Hey-o. Father Shane Demon and I am with the illustrious Father Travis Crady. Hey. Give it hey. up hey. for thank Father you. Crotty. Thank you. Thank this you is so a live you. episode wow. here. Live episode. Look That's at all not, these It's no, not true. It's not true. Episode. We are alone here. <laughs> We're in a conference room. That's right. But we are joined to everybody, this beautiful audience in spirit. And we thank That's them right. for tuning in. Thanks everybody for this. Next episode of Outcast Catholic, brought to you from the great diocese of Sioux City. That's right. Welcome to the podcast. Father Travis, you are a newly minted priest. That's what they tell me. (laughs) And you are surviving in these early days of priesthood on your beloved coffee, aren't you? Oh,
0: yes. I just want everybody to know, I realized I'm going to ruin it now, and all the coffee shops are going to change. I realized a hack, coffee shop hack. Everybody write this down right now. If you are in the habit of purchasing what you've thought is called an iced latte, okay? Maybe you've done this all the time. Can I get like an iced fidel latte? Mm-hmm. Then you like, you like slurp it like... <laughs> so if you're into that... Listen, if you go to a coffee shop and ask for a double shot of espresso, then you ask for it on ice, then ask for a splash of milk. No one knows what a splash of milk is, so they're just going to fill the cup of it with milk. You just bought an iced latte for like two dollars instead of five dollars you're welcome i just saved you a bunch of money for the rest of your life
1: okay walk i'm not a coffee drinker All right. walk hey, also, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: i wanted to point this out actually everybody you need to know this about our uh, your, your co-host right now father shane demon he's one of those people who doesn't drink coffee
1: forgive me How, i just don't understand i don't understand i know i'm weird what can i say what do you do when you get really tired I don't know. I just tough you just it power out. through.
0: <laughs> you just you just you just grind. Through I it. love
1: the smell of coffee. I've never really cared yeah. for the bitter taste. Oh. and when I was in college, I was talking to people who had so much coffee in their life, they were getting kidney stones constantly. Oh my gosh! And I just thought this isn't worth it.
0: Well, here's the question: <laughs> that I mean, like this reveals too much about me that I'm probably chemically dependent on caffeine. Probably. What? Do you do you do you ever use the, the caffeine or not? The caffeine, yeah. Do you do you use you know, it or not?
1: If I'm out for lunch, I might have an iced tea. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm not a big soda guy anymore. Right. Yeah. So not much. Do you ever
0: sip on a LaCroix once in a while?
1: No. Oh, really? Wow. Not really? You just flat water. That's. Well, no. And there's a few other choice beverages <laughs> oh, in <sure>. there. So. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm but happy, I'm not a coffee drinker. What I'm
0: happy about with, bringing this back to the priesthood here. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll walk you through that one more time. Please do. So you want to you wanna pull up to your local coffee shop. Right. Preferably, we're using one of the chains here. So I'm not going to endorse any chain right now. But let's say your favorite coffee chain, you know, across the country, you're going to ask for a double shot of espresso, ask for it on ice on the rocks, if you kind of hip, you know, and then you're going to ask for a splash of milk or cream. And they're just going to give that to you for free. The ice is for free and the splash or whatever is for free with the coffee. You're going to pay like a buck fifty or two dollars for your double shot of espresso not waste any money on your cup of milk that you get for your latte, mm-hmm. and
1: basically get a, get a latte. And right now, for every major coffee chain listening into Outcast Catholic, yeah, they're going to be radically changing their menus right now because you just called them listen, out on listen, this. Listen,
0: until that happens, I haven't called any particular coffee shops out, but I did get one of these, which was basically like a medium iced latte for like one fifty. But until then, you could send your proceeds to Outcast Catholics. We could just keep, I don't know what we're going to use the money for.
1: Yeah, this is not a profit organization here. <laughs> so
0: I could get more coffee <laughs> to keep it going. Okay. That's it. <laughs> um, no, back to LaCroix. Uh, so I love coffee, but I, I love the sparkling water. Aqua frizzante, is that what they say in, yeah. in Italy? Yeah. yeah. My pastor, okay, that I just moved, moved in with, loves, always stocks a fridge with pure Lacroix. croix that's the unflavored kind oh. so most people who hate Lacroix, they hate it because it's so lightly flavored this is just the water with bubbles all not it's
1: delightful okay. oh it's so good yeah you do like your beverages don't you I really do yeah yeah keeps you going get your go-go yeah, juice right. going in the morning <laughs> that's right well, that's good well father as a newly minted priest who is surviving your first months of priesthood with lots of caffeine yes we'd like to go back Take a moment to go back down memory lane, and just see exactly what was it like to kind of go through the whole ordination experience. What was it like to enter into those initial moments of priesthood? Right. You had been in formation for so long, mm-hmm. and now had been finally given this gift, a, a vocational calling by the Lord, right. extended to you by the graces bestowed through His Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a moment to kind of walk down memory lane and go back to your ordination. Okay. Let's go revisit that. And really be share with others what that experience is like, mm-hmm. um, because certainly anyone getting ordained these days in the eyes of the world is probably a big outcast. Oh, yeah. You know, like, really? You, you would actually, like, embrace that lifestyle and go serve the people of God in the church? Yeah. What a freak, you know? It's like,
0: I, I've experienced this most frequently at places where I've got my hair cut. So mm. it's like a sports clip or whatever right and there's always two responses it's like oh what do you do or like why are you home when i was in seminary right oh yeah i'm home from school where do you go to school yeah i go to school in st louis what do you do in st louis i'm studying to be catholic priest they'd either go oh that's wow, interesting, that's interesting. <laughs> especially in the midwest interesting sure. wow or they just say i was gonna do that too <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> or they or, or they just say oh
1: moving on <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. but yeah great question yeah but i a lot of people probably don't know what is that experience like they've probably never been to an ordination totally. they might not have a friend or family member who's actually experienced that so they've had firsthand encounters of what it's like to see someone enter the clerical state right. um but as you know having gone through it it's a profound reality right that literally changes you ontologically right. uh, and really conforms you to christ right um so let's go back going back to that uh ordination day. We were in the midst of the pandemic. Yes. We were just ramping up probably 90 days into kind of the quarantine uh-huh. period across the country. What was it like to prepare for something that had so many unknowns? Right.
0: Yeah. So one of the unexpected gifts and graces about that whole time was I was actually living at our cathedral's rectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, during when I left the seminary, when we had to close up in March, uh, I lived. I lived right next door to the place where I was going to be ordained. Most men uh, who ordained priests don't get that opportunity to pray in the cathedral they will be ordained in Sure, every single day for three months leading up to that point. Oh, it's beautiful. So it was beautiful. And I got to do my uh, uh, every, as you know, but everybody listening, every priest who's ordained has to do a five-day silent retreat before that. So I actually did that at the cathedral too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great. Yeah, leading up to it, it was odd that I didn't have a lot of the normal kind of rituals of the end of the year and graduation and visiting friends and things like that. I was just kind of... There at the cathedral, kind of quietly preparing for uh, ordination and this gift. I was a deacon at the time, so I got to deacon a lot of the masses for the bishop through Holy Week and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, And really live out the fullness of being a deacon, which was kind of nice, and preach once in a while. Um, Yeah, and then just kind of look forward to ordination day.
1: And as you know, it wasn't the ordination day that you had probably been dreaming of for nine years. No. You know, the, the thousands of devotees who were oh, wa- waiting for your autograph. Father Travis, Father Travis, <laughs> give me your blessing, give me your blessing. Obviously, they weren't able to come right, uh, for the sake of health, um, you know, and just not being able to travel during the, that particular time period. Um,
0: However, interestingly, you pulled some strings as a vocation director, <laughs> and my ordination was, in fact, broadcast on local television.
1: We want to do a quick shout out to the local NBC affiliate KTIV channel Four. thank you for making that broadcast so efficient and really lovely to evangelize. Yeah. You know, it was cool. I, I talked to, so I mean, there was like
0: maybe 15 people in attendance or something like that. Right. And, uh, only a few of my immediate family members could come, a couple of my grandparents, things like that. And, uh, one priest friend and one deacon friend were Mm -hmm. able to come. But, uh, I I hear from my priest friend, Father Taylor Leffler in Omaha, shout out to you. Um, One of his friends here in Sioux City, her daughter just turned the channel to Channel 4 and said, hey, look, Mom, it's Father Taylor. And then they watched my ordination that day. So who knows who was watching the ordination that day on the the TV.
1: You know, Father, when I was ordained and I was hearing people kind of offer words of congratulations and I was giving first blessings immediately after the ordination, but also the next day after my first Mass, Mm -hmm. I was stunned, absolutely stunned at what people were sharing with me. Right. And I was giving first blessings and I quickly realized I'm giving a lot more than, than blessings here. I'm, I'm practically doing spiritual direction on the mm-hmm. fly because people were pouring out their hearts of some of the deep and personal intentions that they had brought to the ordination. Right. I had people saying, we have been praying for you for like the past, I don't know, decade in your vocation. Yeah. And today is kind of the the culmination of seeing that come to fruition. Mm -hmm. I had others who brought their own personal prayer intentions to the ordination saying, I made the decision five, six, seven months ago to Mm -hmm. come to your ordination. And I brought a particular prayer intention to the Lord and I offered it uh, with the sacrifice of the mass spiritually in my own heart Mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to be united to Jesus in a very profound way in a big liturgy that I knew would be impactful. Right. So obviously, an ordination is more than just for one man being ordained. Uh, An ordination touches the entire church. Mm -hmm. It it unites a diocese uh, literally around the altar with the bishop there, his priests, the religious, the faithful, gathering up and and uniting their voices. And since we couldn't do that physically, we were trying to still do that electronically through this broadcast. Um, But. Knowing that you have, through this ordination, reached far more people uh, than would have been there live had they just shown up and traveled, uh, can you share anything about how this liturgy clearly showed to you through the broadcast the universal church that was connected
0: here? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still, and I'm sure I will be for years to come, the people uh, at my parish assignment in Lamar's where I went um, right after my ordination— uh, so many people, so many parishioners watched it. Mm-hmm. So many staff members watched it. Right. Um, different families I've kind of run into or they've sent me a card in the mail, they said they watched it. People I haven't talked to for years um, heard about the link from somebody online or they watched it live on TV mm-hmm. or had a few families had watch parties and stuff like that. Um, so realizing those people were joining me, but then realizing, too, how quickly – things can get shared on on the internet and how quickly links can be passed around yeah like people probably around the world i know a a family who i lived with in guatemala watched it in guatemala and understand what was going on or in english but they watched it too yeah so i was profoundly moved as the ordination began um and everybody could see me crying like a baby on tv which was only mildly embarrassing
1: yes And Father Travis Crady now removes his glasses and sheds a tear. Gosh, so so
0: for everybody listening who did didn't watch it, uh, one of the more interesting aspects of it, uh, it was like a papal mass in that we had a priest of our diocese uh, and a former anchor of the of the of the news channel, right? Um, who's who's Catholic? They offered commentary during the. Uh, during the mass and did so, a great job. Gr- excellent job. Some people right. said it sounded like a golf tournament, uh, <laughs> especially now every priest approaches the altar. So it sounds like now he pulls out his nine iron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was great. Um, but there was, <laughs> there was a point at the very beginning where I pulled my handkerchief out to blow my nose and like kind of wipe some sweat in a, some tears from my we eyes. We saw it all. Oh, yeah, 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 in the commentary. Now he wipes a single tear from his eye as he <laughs>
1: prepares to be ordained a priest. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to a very public lifestyle, but, Father. Yes,
0: but as I did prepare for the ordination mass to start, the and throughout the time I was praying uh, with the liturgy itself, realizing how many people were interceding for me was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the opportunity to do a, 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 an extended Ignatian retreat in seminary, And one of the biggest graces was during difficult and kind of dry moments of the retreat, sort of falling back on and counting on the prayers of those who had promised uh, uh, their prayers Mm -hmm. was so helpful. And it was that same type of intuition that so many people were offering me to the Lord Mm -hmm. um,
1: as I was kind of walking down the aisle to meet Jesus, the bridegroom. Right and it's it's a beautiful thing to see that people can not only support you with their prayers but they can also participate in this liturgy from afar right you know the liturgy is a very cosmic experience we are we are stepping into things beyond three-dimensional time here time and space in which we are uniting ourselves to the heavenly liturgy that's always going on right. that the lord who has called you to this vocation from long before the actual ordination date is simply ratifying the graces that he had been slowly build af- building upon. Right. And everyone gets to participate in that. Right. Not just right. praying for you, like, oh, I hope he's a good holy priest. Right. They get to step into this reality and, and perhaps even be inspired to offer their own lives more fully yes. to the Lord.
0: Yeah, and the biggest thing that I think uh, I'd love to share is, like, it's just not its not just like a graduation, mm-hmm. and it's not just sort of like an appointment to a job. Right. right? It's Jesus, the the God-man, reigning in heaven now, Working through uh, his bishop, his successor of his apostles, uh, that he gave his gift of the priesthood to, working through the power of the Holy Spirit, trying to draw all creation to the Father. Like mm-hmm. that's that cosmic reality that you're that you're saying that we as sinful, simple men are invited to experience, participate in. Mm-hmm. But that's really the Christian life in the sacramental economy of the Church. In every sacrament, you're invited into that cosmic reality. Every married couple is invited to become an icon of Jesus in the church in their nuptial exchange. Right. Um, that's huge. Absolutely. Um, every child who's baptized in that very simple rite of just pouring water and saying the Holy Trinity, uh, they become a child of God in a completely new way. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. And there's not only is that beautiful, but there's also some very key, beautiful moments that punctuate the liturgy itself. Right. You know, there's the, Very unique. On. Yeah. Yeah, there's the laying on of hands. There's the promise of obedience. There's the chrism on your palms. Mm-hmm. There's the vesting in the new the priestly prostration in front right. of the altar. Exactly. Well, you look at all those beautiful moments. Can you go back to your ordination now? And, and what stood out? Was there a mm-hmm. single or a couple of moments that just said, wow, right. You know, this has got my attention or I really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here or this prayer or this gesture, this movement, uh, this posture mm-hmm. is, is striking me now in a way that I could have never ik- predicted before. Right. Well, a quick funny little anecdote. Sure. One moment I thought would be much more uh, impactful was
0: when, uh, the laying prostrate. So this is kind of a, a very uh, kind of jarring thing to see. The, the soon-to-be ordained priest lays down on the floor, mm-hmm. totally uh, prone. Right on, on his stomach. On, right on his stomach, right on the ground, right? Right. And then the litany of saints is chanted. As he lays down, everybody prays for the man to be ordained. I thought that'd be beautiful. However, <laughs> with kind of all the vestments I had on, it, it, when you put your arms up, it like, kind of kind like chokes you a little bit. And I had an amos is the thing that like tucks oh, your in. your amice was tight, a little too and tight. just like a huh? little tight, a little tight. Yeah. So, and then that was the first thing. And I'm like, okay, just breathing. And I'm trying not to cry, all right? I'm trying not to tear up. And then I realized I wear glasses. I realize my eyes kind of have tears in it. If, if my glasses get tears, just like drop on them. I'm done for. How am I going to read anything when I have to can celebrate the mass in like a couple minutes? Sure. So I tried to be, I had no idea where these cameras were on TV that were all showing around my face, all around me. I had no idea. <laughs> so I like slowly pushed the bottom of my glasses up with my thumbs to try to uh, divert the, <laughs> the, the tears from dropping down. And, the, and one of my friends was like, yeah, I saw you do that weird glasses thing. What were you doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. That so totally caught up. That was not the most uh, prayerful experience. Okay. However, we learned in sacramental theology and seminary that just like the mass, like uh, an ontological change has to happen in an instant, mm-hmm. right? So like somebody's alive or they're dead. That, mm-hmm. that change happens instantly. You don't, you don't gradually become alive or gradually die. The same with like the Eucharist. It's not like gradually bread and then gradually Jesus' body. It's an instant, right? So we, we, we talked about in holy orders too. The man is either not a priest or a priest. So, in the Roman rite, we've kind of like assigned that moment to certain words. Mm-hmm. So Bishop Nicholas and I actually talked about that moment before. So the prayer of ordination itself was so powerful because I knew, okay, this is when I become a priest. And Bishop and I just had talked about it the day before, so he knows. So that moment was particularly powerful, kind of the culmination of that whole uh, ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so for everybody who didn't get see, the bishop silently lays his hands on my head, and then all the priests present do the same. Mm-hmm. But then I, I kneeled in front of the bishop, I knelt in front of the bishop, mm-hmm. and he just extends his hand and prays this long, beautiful prayer, but kind of three-fourths the way through the prayer, like, that's the that's the time. Right. Um, that's when I became a priest through the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: Right. Yeah. No, well, That's a beautiful thing. And then everything after that, it, it kind of just starts to affirm what has now happened sacramentally. Right. i am been
0: vested with a stolen chasuble for the first time. Mm-hmm. My hands are anointed with sacred chrism. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my family brought forth uh, the gifts, uh, so like the bread and the wine in my own chalice that I received. This is kind of cool. I don't know if I told you this. My home parish in Varina, teeny tiny town that closed, mm-hmm. they actually gave me uh, the parish's chalice as a gift for ordination. Beautiful. My parents had it uh, replated because it, it was very old mm-hmm. and kind of tarnished and stuff. So that was beautiful to see. I, I received then the gifts of the people to be offered on the altar from the bishop.
1: Well, and you received a chalice that had been provided for by the generosity of the people of God, generations of believers before you. That was
0: used every Sunday for the sacrifice, of the Mass. Yeah. Right. So
1: you're also spiritually united to every single Mass intention that that chalice was used for on right. that altar, going back to throughout that parish. Yeah, history. at least
0: like 130 years or something like that. It's beautiful,
1: right? right. Well, it's a it's a wonderful testimony to not only celebrate. The joys of your experiences in that priestly yes. ordination, uh, but it's also a great testimony to say what does the church at large get to experience every mm-hmm. time she uh, celebrates these sacraments and the uh, rite of holy orders is bestowed upon one of her sons. Right. There's obviously fruit that is still being born, not only in your ministry but in everyone who got to participate in that uh, in that beautiful liturgy. Right.
0: Uh, I would just say this to to anybody listening. I know you know uh, not many people were able to come to my ordination, but wherever you're at whichever diocese you're in try to get to an ordination right. either of a new bishop or a priest like no offense to your parish but if you've experienced like derpy liturgies in the past and like not great music mm-hmm. ordinations are like everything just cranked up like 10 notches like the best music right all the incense beautiful vestments right. just like a beautiful cathedral and stuff like that yeah um so it's, it's worth experiencing sort of the fullness of the roman liturgy right uh, kind of uh, spilling out at an ordination no, it's great advice.
1: Well, Father Travis, we're excited to have you as a brother priest here yes, in this presbytery. We look forward to all the graces that are going to continue to fold unfold in your ministry, as I said earlier. And uh, thanks for kind of walking us through and sharing some of these uh, great little highlights with us. It's it's always good to be with you. And yeah. uh, God bless. All right. Absolutely. Anything you want to add? Keep praying for us. We'll pray for
0: you. Thanks, everybody. See you next time on Outcast Catholic. Peace. Thanks. Bye, bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.